Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 This episode is brought to you by Hostfully, a company that helps you make beautiful guidebooks for your listing. Make your own at hostfully.com slash pad. And as a special for Get Paid for Your Pad listeners, you'll get a free guidebook consultation after you make your guidebook. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. And today I have Brian Chen on the show, who is a writer for the New York Times. So Brian, hey welcome there. to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I guess we swapped roles a while ago. You interviewed <laughs> me for an article that, that you wrote uh, in the New York Times about how, being a, a super host. And right. an interesting part of this article, which I've actually referred to in one of my other podcast episodes, is how you describe how your house or your cabin in Northern California is being used as a place to have a wedding. An illegal wedding. <laughs> an illegal wedding, right. And yeah. I thought that would be a, that would be an interesting story to share with our yeah. listeners. It's a good story to talk about the dispute resolution process. But yeah, I'll, I'll start from the beginning. So last October, this guy named Jose, he booked my house and he said it was a group of eight people. He wanted to host a family get together for a small getaway in the mountains. And, you know, this guy had no reviews, but he looked like a nice guy. He was being polite with me in the conversation. So I figured, you know, Everybody has to start somewhere, you know, just because he has no reviews, I'm not going to write him off. So I'll give him a chance. And I booked him thinking, you know, nothing was going to go wrong. And a month later, when he checks in in November, the first problem was his group was extremely loud at four in the morning outside my house. And my neighbors complained. So that was problem number one. And then problem number two, I wouldn't have even anticipated. But in the afternoon, some caterers started showing up at the house. And they were carrying these white pillars. They, they were carrying food into the house and then chairs and all this stuff and flowers and everything. And my neighbors were taking pictures and sending them to me and saying, these guys are about to throw a wedding in your house. And I thought, wow, are you kidding me? That's kind of remarkable because, you know, if you wanted to host a wedding somewhere, wouldn't you want to see the venue before you throw the wedding? So it was a little bit sad to me. So it was the afternoon and I was just assessing what to do exactly. I decided to let them carry out the ceremony because who wants to ruin a wedding, you know, and my neighbors keep taking pictures and they finish the ceremony. And then I contact the guy through the messaging app. I like to contact people in the messaging app just so Airbnb has documentation of what they're saying. So I messaged him and I said, hey, Jose, you know, now that the wedding's over, I'm respectfully asking you to leave because you've broken all my house rules. And, you know, this isn't cool. There's 30 to 50 people there. And, you know, the agreement was that we're hosting a group of eight. And we also don't do big parties, you know, it's all in the house rules. So so you got to go. And he responds, he's like, oh, there's no wedding going on here. <laughs> he says, it's just a group of 10 people. And we're just here having dinner. And I was like, come on, dude. And I called Airbnb. And Airbnb called him asking him to leave again. And he repeated again, oh, I'm just having a group dinner here. It's no big deal. And they're like, 
Airbnb said, no, they have pictures of the wedding and it looks like a wedding. So you have to go. And if you don't check out, then you're going to be charged an extra night because we're canceling the reservation. So that was how Airbnb was able to force them out. So, you know, thankfully the group left and thankfully they didn't trash the house because I thought they were going to. But, you know, it's funny. I was like really fed up because for one thing, like I said, weddings in vacation rentals are illegal in this city. And he kind of jeopardized my business like that. He put me at risk of getting caught because the neighbors were about to call the cops and everything. So I wasn't happy about it. Plus, in my house rules, it says if you exceed the maximum occupancy of eight people, then you have to pay $100 per person per day. And so I was asking him for thousands of dollars more because he brought in something like 30 to 50 people. My neighbors counted 50. So I call Airbnb and they tell me to, to file a dispute in the resolution center. And I say, fine. And I have to file all this documentation, including photos and telling them to look at the transcript. And then I argued, I, I thought this was like a pretty cut and dry argument where, you know, this guy is a well-documented liar and I have all these photos and there's a wedding here and it's all illegal and I'm asking for this money. And so Airbnb has to mediate because Jose, of course, he disagreed and didn't want to pay the money. And he said that I broke the contract. He said that I threw them out of the house and I broke the contract, which was <laughs> what I would call gaslighting, by the way. So Airbnb takes about two weeks to mediate. And then ultimately, they decide that they are only going to charge him half the amount of money I asked for because my neighbors were only able to photograph 25 people out of the 50 they claim. So... <laughs> It kind of went in his favor, largely, I think, because uh, they were giving him the benefit of the doubt, even though the guy had no reviews, no credibility, constantly lying. You know, So that was kind of the, the moral of the story is that I don't really feel like Airbnb is on host's side very often. They, they have to be you know, very measured and very equal, which is understandable, but it was kind of a sour and bitter story in my history of hosting on Airbnb. Right. So we're very happy with the way that Airbnb handled the situation. Yeah, not only did I think that it was unfair, oh, I left out one thing. So I found a chip in the countertop in the kitchen, and I sent the photo to Airbnb, and I said, this wasn't here before. And so I was asking for, you know, like maybe $200 to fix the chip in the counter, because that's how much somebody quoted me for it to cost. So Airbnb took all of this into account. And one thing they said was, well, there's no way to know if they caused the chip in the countertop or if that was there before. And at that point, I thought, well, this is kind of ridiculous. So do I have to take a picture of every single inch of every single thing I own in the house and show before and after photo? You know, it, that, it, was yeah. just, it, just, it just seemed like kind of unreasonable. You know, like, why would you give this guy the benefit of the doubt when you guys caught him lying too? And he's been proven to be committing illegal activity in the house. So it just seemed kind of disproportionately favoring the guest. But what do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because... Because the thing is, I mean, you don't really want this person to rent other people's homes, right? So if I were Airbnb, I would totally side with the host and I would make sure that that person never gets to rent a place on Airbnb anymore because, you know, these are the kind of things that give Airbnb a bad name and bad reputation. Now, totally. I, mean, I mean, if you Google Airbnb, then... You know, a disproportionate amount of horror stories show up because, <laughs> you know, that's, those are new Forfy stories, right? 
So, right. you know, if something goes terribly wrong, then it often makes it news. But the 99.9% of the cases where it doesn't go wrong, you know, you right. you don't hear that much about that. So if I were Airbnb, I would put in a lot of effort to make sure that if it does go wrong, that the hosts are happy. Because you don't want to have a host complaining, you know, about Airbnb when right. something goes wrong. So I think the dirty secret, too, of Airbnb is that they have very, very high turnover when it comes to both hosts and guests. So if either of us has a bad experience, then we're probably going to stop using Airbnb. So I can understand why they try so hard to, you know, be very, very fair and show some favoritism toward Jose in this instance. But it, it just seemed like the wrong call, in my opinion. One thing I'll say that, you know, my takeaway was to have really, really strict house rules when people are planning Airbnbs or hosting Airbnbs, because not only do you want to scare off the guests who might be doing wrong activity, but you want to protect yourself in case somebody does something like, you know, in my case, I had the $100 per extra guest rule and was able to collect some of that money at some point. Right. You were able to collect for 25 people? So 17 people because eight was the maximum. Oh, so, right. Right. Uh, you know, so that was like $1,700 or something. Am I getting the math right? Yeah. $1,700. Yeah. I mean, and that's a really cheap wedding, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like that's still, why he that's still won in the end. Well, that's and, why oh, he rented it in the first place, right? For he wanted a cheap wedding. Right. <laughs> what is girlfriend saying? <laughs> what? What about the girl that he's marrying? Oh, like, his she, wife? Yeah, she must. Have, um, I imagine. I, I can't this, even imagine. I can't even <laughs> imagine. Like, what a bad way to start a marriage, right? So she ended up talking to Airbnb because Jose didn't speak very much English, and you know, at some point, she conceded and said, "Yeah, we had a wedding." And then she kind of begged if they could stay the night. And, you know, at that point, I, I just had to say no, because I don't want like 30 to 50 people staying in my house. That's too many. And I can't trust them at that point. And, you know, the simple answer was no. You know, I felt bad for them, but I can only feel bad for them to a certain extent. Oh, and here's the kicker, Jasper. So in the end, you know, we canceled the reservation and I couldn't review this guy and he couldn't review me because the whole thing was voided. And... <laughs> So this guy can still go around renting on Airbnb because he has no reviews and nobody oh <laughs> nobody sees that I had this wedding experience with him. So it's kind of sad, but <laughs> right, okay, so, yeah, that's uh, not very good. So I guess there's a bunch of learning lessons, like you said. First of all, it makes sense to have you know very strict house rules, or at least right. mention all the different house rules that are there so that you can refer to them in case something happens. Yeah, and the second lesson is that. You want to document as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think that we should have to do before and after photos of every single inch of space that we have. But when it comes to very valuable stuff you have, like maybe like a fireplace or a television or I don't know, let's say uh, maybe your kitchen countertop, maybe your hot tub, something like that, you know, your cabinet, just like stuff that you care about that would be expensive to repair. Take good pictures of those because you're going to have to show if those are damaged that they were perfect before. It's something that's not very obvious until something happens to you. You know, I learned it the hard way. So I hope that people who listen to this uh, <laughs> learn from my horrible wedding experience. Host, I can't emphasize how important it is to share recommendations of things to do or eat near your listing beforehand. Your guests won't have to go through TripAdvisor, Foursquare or Yelp. They won't have to scratch their head and think about possible places right in the moment. I've been using Hostfully to create an online and printable guidebook to show my guests my favorite coffee places in Amsterdam. 
They use my recommendations and I'm getting fewer questions from my guests as a result. I've also included screenshots of my guidebook on my Airbnb listing as a way to differentiate my listing from others. So make your own guidebook at hostly.com pad. I have another story too about a cocaine guest. Did I mention that to you? No, but, uh, let's hear it. So maybe three weeks ago, it's pretty recent. It was a group that had positive reviews or this one guest had positive reviews who was booking. And, you know, he seemed like a nice guy. He reassured to me in the messages that he read the house rules and that he'll tidy up before he leaves. And I thought, okay, well, this is usually a good sign. You know, he's being proactive about saying he's going to follow the rules and be good and everything. So I book him. And then, you know, he checks out and it turns out he brought 11 people instead of seven, like he said he was going to. I wouldn't really make a fuss about that, but he also broke the dishwasher, pretty much destroyed it. And I had to pay hundreds of dollars to repair that. And then my neighbors found trash all over the ground. My neighbor's my cleaner, by the way. Trash all over the ground and cocaine on the dresser. <laughs> and this is so like so shortly after the Jose incident that I thought like, wow, I wonder how Airbnb is going to handle this one now. Because like last time when I told them I was writing that story, they apologized to me. And I kind of felt like they only apologized to me because I was a reporter. And I wanted to see like, so how are they going to handle it this time? And in this time, you know, I, I did a very good job in terms of documenting everything and arguing with the guy and, and being very civil in this whole conversation. And I laid out my arguments and all the documentation and the quotes from the repair people. And I collected every dime that I asked for in that instance. So what's tough is I can't tell if Airbnb ruled in my favor because, you know, of what happened last time or if they if I did this better this time in terms of presenting the argument, it's hard to tell. Well, yeah, maybe it's a combination of the two, but I think you're definitely right. I've noticed as well that, you know, when shit hits the fan, Mm -hmm. as soon as it gets in the media, that's when Airbnb active starts being very proactive about helping and giving hosts money and stuff. But as long as nobody knows about it, it seems like they don't really care that much. Yeah. And what's kind of disturbing to me is they don't seem to have a great, recourse for illegal activity in the home so you know two times like for me it's like okay there's cocaine on the dresser and there's also you know the wedding and like there's this complete lack of urgency so the one that the cocaine guest took about a week to resolve the whole dispute and the wedding one took about two weeks and it's kind of disturbing to me because like i mean it's not like a level of like these people are making a mess or something in my house but it's illegal stuff no matter what and stuff that could get us all in trouble as hosts. So I just would expect them to move a bit faster. But surprisingly, it's bureaucratic, this dispute resolution process. It's, it's almost like insurance. Right. Yeah, it is. You've, you've never had any instances in, in your place, right? Because it's just couples mostly. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I always find it interesting to listen to stories where things go wrong and the Airbnb resolution process comes into play because I don't have any experience with it myself. Yeah, you're lucky. Uh, Which is a good thing, you know. You know, on the plus side, I feel like I want to say maybe only 10 to 15% of guests are bad eggs. And for the most part, it's pretty easy, you know, like most people are reasonable human beings. I think you wrote this in your book, too, that like most people are good people and you should just give people the benefit of the doubt. For me, I do that too. I just, I'm getting a little bit more hesitant about people who don't have reviews. Like, I know that everybody deserves a first chance and they have to start somewhere, but I'm not really sure that I'm the person who has to give it to them anymore. Just because, you know, some bad eggs just ruined it for me. But on the other hand, you know, people with positive reviews are occasionally bad eggs too, like the cocaine guy. So at the end of the day, I feel like 
our filtering process or our screening process can only go so far because some people are going to slip through anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no guarantee. There's never a guarantee. You can do the due diligence process. And you know, what I do sometimes is if I don't feel super comfortable, I ask some questions about, you know, what, mm-hmm. what are people looking to do? Uh, I look yeah. at sort of, you know, where they come from and their age and stuff like that. But in the end of the day, you never know. But it might also be location dependent, but it's interesting because you know, I'm in Amsterdam. I yeah. mean, you know, what do people come to Amsterdam <laughs> for, right? <laughs> so, yeah, right. So I'm actually uh, I'm actually kind of a little bit surprised that after hosting, I think over 350 groups, I've yet to receive a single complaint from a neighbor. You've had bad guests in terms of people who are kind of assholes though, right? Oh, a few times, you know, not too often. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, but there were a few that I think were a little bit unreasonable in terms of expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. where, for example, you know, there's my fridge has a wire that goes to a socket, yeah. which is like three feet from the fridge. And then, you know, somebody calls that a dangerous loose wire, you know, right. like stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit uh, high maintenance people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can deal with jerks. We get them every now and then, but when it comes to people breaking the rules and disrupting the neighborhood, that's where I get a little bit more pissy. Oh, I had a jerk last week. This guy named uh, his name is Moy or something, and he was an Airbnb host as well. So I thought, okay, like this guy has empathy and he has a lot of good reviews. I'm gonna book him, and I booked him. And then he messaged me a few days later, and and he said he wanted to change the reservation to add an extra day. And I'm like, okay, that gives you more money. I'm happy to do that. And and so I sent him the change request, and it's an extra $500 because he's like adding a Friday, which is like the most expensive day of my week because you know the prices change on the weekends. And then he comes back to me and says, why on earth is this an extra $500? And I said, because you're adding an extra day and it's Friday and that's how much they cost on the calendar. And it was automatically set by a tool called Beyond Pricing. And he didn't take that very well. <laughs> and then he started criticizing other parts of my listing. He said, well, your $2,000 security deposit, it's a lot. That seems unreasonable. Like, and he said, my place was bigger and I had a $500 security deposit. And at this point, I also said, like, you already booked the place and you already read about the security deposit. Why are you criticizing it now? You know, I'm not saying it in this tone or this language to him, but I just said to him, look, if you disagree with the security deposit, please cancel the reservation. You know, if you're unhappy with it, if you're unhappy with the price of the security deposit, please cancel the reservation. But he wouldn't cancel it. So I called Airbnb and said, look at this transcript. Like, this guy is being a total jerk. Maybe he's drunk or something. And... (laughs) And like, what do you want to do? And then they said that they would cancel it penalty free because it seems like neither of us are happy with each other and they canceled it. So, you know, fortunately, Airbnb helped out there and it was fine. Oh, and by the way, so this guy sent me a message a day later after I canceled it saying that he was going to sue me for causing him unnecessary stress. <laughs> and, and I just laughed at that because he didn't lose any money and he lost maybe two minutes of time. Like oh having booked another place, you know, <laughs> and and I didn't I didn't take it all like I didn't buy it at all. I was like, oh god, this is like just some intimidation negotiation, which doesn't work, you know. And by the way, so I have tools to look at people's records because I'm a journalist, and I was just curious, like, who this guy is. I mean, they're public records, you know. It's nothing like too sneaky or anything. But I saw that he had debt collectors come after him multiple times and owed something like. $50,000 was collected from him through the courts. So that kind of gave me the context of why he was 
getting so uptight about an extra $500 and my security deposit and all that stuff. So that kind of concluded it for me. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's interesting the type of threats that you get from guests who are angry sometimes. Like I had one person who thought that my apartment was completely unreasonable and he wrote me an email threatening me that if I wasn't to refund his money, he was going to send Airbnb a letter that they should cancel my listing. Which I thought was wow. inter interesting. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, like I'm a super house with God knows how many like <laughs> super positive reviews. And there's one yeah. guy who says I suck and Airbnb is just going to like close my listing. <laughs> yeah. Based on that. I mean, how realistic is that? Good luck, buddy. <laughs> and I mean, it just goes to show how different people are, right? You know, like I can't believe that people can even drive on a highway together. You know, like everybody is so different and people have different tolerances for different things and ways that they try to rectify their frustrations, you know. But because we're hosting people from all over the world, we're going to run into some really strange people or people who are strange to us, at least. Right. But let's end this podcast on a positive note, because yeah. <laughs> I also read in the article that, you know, financially, it's been a big success for you, right? And but can you provide some more details about where your cabin is located and what type of property it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in uh, South Lake Tahoe in California. And my girlfriend at the time and I bought it about a year and a half ago. It did have an I issue where there was a flooding because of a broken pipe, a frozen pipe even. And we were off the market for maybe five months because of the frozen pipe and the flood. But despite that, we were back on the market. And within seven months, we were able to earn a profit. And by profit, I mean, you know, the mortgage is paid for and we're making money on top of that. So overall, you know, despite having some negative experiences, starting the Airbnb at the house was the correct business investment. And for the most part, it's butter. Most people are good people. You just have to pray that you're not going to get the rotten eggs because your screening process isn't always going to work. But that said, you know, like I mentioned earlier, have strict house rules, Try to be diligent about screening, as diligent as you can, and document everything. Because, I mean, that's what you have to do to protect yourself. Yeah, definitely. Those are good lessons. And just to be clear, when you say that you cover your mortgage, do you mean the monthly payments? Or are you saying that you've already completely paid off your mortgage? Oh, no, no. I meant like my monthly payments. So, you know, like for each month, including for the five months that we were off market, we're making a profit after a mortgage is taken away from the revenue. So right, okay, I, yeah. I was going to say if you, I mean, if you were able to pay off the entire mortgage, then oh, you no, did no, no. pretty well. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be the success story of the century. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, Just awesome quit my job. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time to come on the show. I think it's uh, definitely yeah. some good learning lessons for uh, other people, and hopefully, a lot of listeners like me have never experienced anything like this. So I think it's definitely really interesting to hear. Yeah, I love the show. So I'm really happy to be on here. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And for the listeners out there, thanks for listening. And of course, next Monday, there'll be another interview. So we'll see you then. Get paid for your pet. 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 Yeah.